Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Hello and welcome to Extra Time. I'm Barry Guy. This week I check with the All Blacks about how tough Argentina is to play and what chance they have in their rugby championship clash. We hear from Black Caps coach Mike Hessen about extending his contract with the national cricket side. It's been a successful week for a number of New Zealand athletes on the world stage. Rowing, athletics and triathlon have all been in the news. And the Geraldine driver Hayden Padden is preparing for his next event on the world stage. The All Blacks say the time will come when they lose to Argentina, but they're hoping it won't be this weekend. The All Blacks host the Pumas in Napier in the latest match in the Rugby Championship. The South Americans have certainly improved since arriving in the Southern Hemisphere competition, and it appears their first win isn't far away. And it's there for Carter. Saili, well, that time he dropped it, and it's been scooped up by the Pumas. And here's a chance. Racing away is Lekizamon. The two nations have met just 18 times, with the All Blacks winning 17. They drew in just their second-ever match in Buenos Aires in 1985. Since their introduction to the Rugby Championship, the Pumas have proved a worthy adversary, although they yet to score their first win. The All Blacks centre Conrad Smith is wary. I don't like to admit it, and um, I don't want it to be on my watch, but I, I think it's, you know, particularly, you know, if they're going to get a couple of cracks at us every year, um, it's a matter of time, um, you know, possibly before they knock it, knock us off. Argentina drew with South Africa in 2012, and they should have beaten them a fortnight ago, leading up until the last five minutes. Coach Steve Hansen is impressed with what the Pumas have shown this year. The South Africans really struggled with them at scrum time, so they've obviously got that part of their game going well. I think their back three are exciting. They want to run, and Hernandez has been a, a good player for a long time, so... I think they've been smart and giving a lot of them a rest in June. Giving them a rest through that period, I think, has rejuvenated a few of them. Now they'll, they'll be very, very tough. It's the way of the modern game now that teams can defend well against the likes of the All Blacks for long periods. But it has to be for 80 minutes, and that's where the New Zealanders have managed to get out of a few jams in recent times, coming home late when the opposition tires. Wet conditions are expected for the game, which could help the Pumas even more. All Blacks hooker Dane Coles believes Argentina have the best set piece in world rugby and says they must change their mindset at scrum time to combat the visitors' unorthodox tactics. They'll scrum from anywhere and keep the ball in from if it's their own 22 or their 22 just to kind of milk that penalty. Or so it's a bit, and you watch them, or even their looseies are like they're pushing like front rowers, you know, kind of thing. So we just had to change our mindset that um, you know it's going to take an eight to really take them up front. After 21 tests and just two starts at fullback, first five, Bowden Barrett gets his first start in his preferred number 10 jersey. The Hurricanes' 23-year-old says it'll be so much better knowing you're starting rather than sitting on the bench wondering. Easier for the nerves, um, never know when I'm going to get on, um, coming off the bench, but yeah, it'd be great to finish that haka 
um, know that you're going to be out there straight away and have an impact on the game straight away. So, um, yeah, I'm pretty pleased about that. Australia hosts South Africa and Perth in the other clash this weekend. The Springboks top the standings with eight points. New Zealand has seven and Australia and Argentina two. This is extra time. The New Zealand rowing squad completed its best ever world championship regatta earlier this week in Amsterdam. They won nine medals, including six gold, the most golds New Zealand has ever won at a world champs. They finished top of the medal table ahead of Great Britain and Australia. The pair of Eric Murray and Hamish Bond won two gold medals in the Coxed and Coxless pair. Zoe Stevenson and Fiona Burke won their first world title in the women's double skulls. Stevenson and Burke were one of the last to qualify for their final after having trouble with their starts all week. However, Fiona Burke says they always had confidence in their fitness and their finish. Yeah, it's definitely part of part of the program at Rowan New Zealand uh, under Dick Tonks is that miles make champions. And we definitely do our fair share of miles up and down Lake Karapiro. So I think that um, fitness there and belief that you can win really helps in that last uh, 750 metres of the race where everyone's hurting just as bad as each other but you've got that ability to just dig in and keep going. So how long has it uh, been for uh, you and Zoe that, you know, the waiting for a world title? Um, well, I guess I've, I've been on the elite team since 2010 and I guess, since you're on the team I guess you're just always trying to achieve it. I think I started rowing in 2008 and um, not long after I started I I realised that I wanted to be the best in the world and today at one particular point in time I was I was the best in, in the double and now it's about making that happen consistently. So obviously you and Zoe you know it's a, it's a, a lot of effort and work that goes in but um can can you say something like you know rowing New Zealand actually actually has a obviously a pretty good uh, you know program in place to to get people there? Uh, yeah, rowing New Zealand has a really incredible program. I think half the success can be attributed to the centralised program that we have based in Cambridge, where we do have access to support staff um, with all the expertise and the skills that we need, and we've got access to other athletes that have multiple world championship and Olympic titles uh, and just learn things off them, just seeing the way that they train, the way that they conduct themselves on a daily basis is something that um, the other elite athletes and especially the younger under-23 and junior athletes all benefit greatly from. Uh, it would one of those be the men's pair? Uh, because we sort of look at them almost in amazement at how they keep going and winning. Uh, yeah, yep. the men's pair are definitely incredible in their consistency and their ability to dominate their field. Uh, also, you've got Mahi Drysdale, who is um, one of the, the best single scholars in the history of um, of rowing. Uh, so they're, they're two crews that definitely you try and emulate on and off the water. Uh, we've also got fantastic role models in Emma Twig in the, in the women's single, who was, uh, it was a pleasure to see her uh, become a world champion today as well. Uh, she's a seriously talented scholar and, and all the rest of the world of female rowing uh, get to look up to her and we're lucky to have her in our own backyard. And the double, your event, of course, are made famous by the twins, Eva Swindells. Uh, 
yes, yeah, they definitely gave the double a bit of a reputation. So it's cool to um, be in the same kind of ballpark as, as what they've achieved. They've obviously achieved a lot more through the Olympic Golds, but um, hopefully hopefully we can repeat what we've done this year uh, in the future. So they were finishing more or less about the time you were getting into the top level? Yeah, so I remember I just after they won their Olympic gold in Beijing in 2008, I started rowing just after that. So they'd finished and then I'd just started as a novice at um, Otago University. Man, hearing that's probably going to make them and me feel old, but uh, there you go. <laughs> so what, what's what's uh, ahead now? You know, the, this is a top combination that, you know, heading to, um, you know, Rio? Uh, yeah, nothing, nothing's guaranteed in the life of an athlete. You've just got to turn up every day and, and keep making gains on and off the water and putting your best performances out there so that the selectors have no reason to, to say no to you if you're doing everything you can and, and showing that you can keep getting better and faster and rowing uh, better technically. Um, then hopefully the selectors will continue to have faith in you and put you in cruise. But, um, yeah, you've just got to keep, keep improving. Because so, the rest of the world doesn't stop. So a little bit of downtime for you now? You come back and prepare for the New Zealand summer? What happens? Uh, yes, we have the whole of the elite team that's over here has the rest of September off. Um, we convene back at Karapiro at the Rowan New Zealand High Performance Centre uh, the last weekend of September and start training for summer, which is the international off-season, but very much the, the domestic season. Uh, so it just is long Ks for us, a lot of uh, base fitness work uh, over the summer, uh, which just sets us in, in a good position for the, for the next international season. That's New Zealand rower Fiona Burke. The New Zealand cricket coach Mike Hesson says he doesn't see himself in the role beyond 2017. Hesson's contract has been extended until April of that year, after initially being hired in 2012 until the end of next year's World Cup. Home and away Test Series wins over the West Indies and a Test Series victory over India have prompted New Zealand cricket to renew the contract early. Hesson told Stephen Hewson he's certainly a different coach now to when he first took up the role. Oh, I am different, there's no doubt about that. I think um, you know, you're lucky enough to be surrounded by other coaches so you can provide um, each other feedback sort of on a pretty regular basis. So um, you know, you do evolve and, and coaching you know, international cricket's a lot, co- a lot different than... Uh, than coaching first-class cricket or, or even some of the associates. So, uh, you know, I've certainly evolved, and I think I'm a better coach now than I was two years ago. Which areas in particular do, do you see as having improved in? Oh, I think across the board, really. Um, I mean, you, I guess every coach has got strengths and weaknesses, and you, you know, you try and you try and evolve all of them, and that's something that I, you know, try and do. It's more about having, you know, really good people around you as well that can complement and work with all of your players. And I think it's it's more the We've got a really good support staff, and obviously, I'm um, you know I'm fronting that at the moment. You, you're known as a sort of a great planner, organizer. Are there areas though that you say to yourself, "This is a work on for me"? Yeah, I, I think you know planning is fine, but it's sort of always making sure you um, are aware of, of all of the consequences of those, and the fact that you know New Zealand cricket now has a really good functioning high performance program, and and making sure that. It, um, you know, I don't just work in isolation or we don't just work in isolation. Everyone's across, you know, what we're trying to achieve. And I think, you know, like I said, we're really lucky. We've got a, a functioning high-performance centre where we can actually be all working together. And that's an area where, um, you know, I didn't have when I first started and, and certainly pleased that I've got that in place now.
Do you think your biggest learning possibly came during the Ross Taylor saga? Oh, I think that was certainly a level of learning. There's no doubt about that. Um, that was a you know a pretty stressful time for everybody. But um, yeah, there's no doubt I learnt a lot during that period of time. But I've learnt a lot through you know all experiences. And like I said, coaching international cricket's tough. And um, you know if you're not learning and you're not getting better, then um, you know you won't be there very long. I mean, it's a very tenuous lifestyle, isn't it? Coaching. I mean. How how do you cope with that? Yeah, the biggest difference um, in this role to any other thing I've been involved with is the amount of time you spend away from, from home. Um, you know, we spend over 300 days a year often away from home and, and loved ones and family, so it's very hard to keep those going and you've got to really work hard on those relationships um, so that you can actually perform when you're doing your job and you live and die by your results and um, that's something I'm well aware of, but I think we're, you know, we're certainly heading in the right direction. Must take a certain type of personality to cope with that stress, though. Oh, I guess so, yeah. I think, um, But I think if you think you're trying to do the right thing, and, and as I said, we're developing a really good crew. Um, we've got guys that actually care about the team and, and care about New Zealand cricket and, and want to you know, want to make history and, and do some special things. And when you're part of a group like that, it's um, you know, our job's easy. Being so young in the role, do you, or how long do you see yourself in it? You, you mentioned there, you know, 300 days a year away from home. I mean, how long can, do you see yourself in the role? Well, first of all, I really appreciate you saying I'm young because I'm 40 in about a month or so and I'm starting to worry about that. But I don't think it's a job you can do forever. I mean, at the end of this term, that'll be five years and that'll be five years away from a, a young family and, and that's probably enough. So, you know, that was considered when we, you know, when we looked at the, the length of the term. But, um, you know, it's something that we've just got to keep working with and um, hopefully the family will travel a little bit more and, and make it a little bit easier over the, the coming year or two. Do you see your entire career being with cricket? At the moment, that's purely my focus. I'm lucky enough to have picked up a few skills along the way and, and that might head me in a different direction later on. But at um, the moment, I'm thoroughly enjoying cricket and, and want to be involved in it. What is success going to look like maybe come the end of that, that five years as far as you and the Black Caps are concerned? Uh, well, I think steady improvement in terms of world rankings is, is the key thing and um, probably in terms of the points that you score. I mean, we you know we initially started uh, 20, 20 points behind seventh in test cricket and uh, we're now you know sitting 15 points away from second so um, you know and we're pretty similar in terms of one day cricket so we've made a lot of ground but um, you know we've got to keep that that, that improvement going and, and that's probably a decent measure because it's uh, it measures consistency and, and that's the, the thing that all international teams are searching for. That's Black Caps coach Mike Hesson talking to Stephen Hewson and you're listening to Extra Time. Two New Zealand triathletes bounced back from a disappointing result at the Commonwealth Games to finish on the podium at the ITU World Series Grand Final in Edmonton. Andrea Hewitt and Nikki Samuels finished second and third respectively, repeating their result from Stockholm a week earlier. The result means Hewitt finishes the season third on the overall standings, while Samuels earned a career-best fifth place. Alex Coogan-Reeves spoke to Andrea Hewitt, who says everything came together for her. When things go right, things just... Yeah, everything went well today. I was up there in the swim. I was sitting in the third position and, yeah, on the bike. I really wanted to push because there were those girls behind in the second group that, um, yeah, were were better in the rankings. And I managed to stay ahead of um, Trudy Simpson. So I took her place on the podium in third. So it was great. How good was it during the race having uh, Nikki there alongside you as well, sort of pushing each other along? Yeah, on the run, and when we started it was uh, Sarah Groff from USA and Nikki, so 
yeah, it was, um, it's always good to have a teammate there. And, you know, we're, we're, it's individual, though, so we were just push, pushing each other. And, um, yeah, we knew Gwen was coming back. She, though, she was putting 20 seconds on us on each lap. So, yeah, um, we just pushed as hard as we could, and she got us on that last lap. But, yeah, so pleased with second today. And how does this just change your season, I guess? A couple of weeks ago, you might have looked at it as a pretty disappointing season, and now it's got a kind of totally different spin on it. Yeah, I've, I've been good all season, but, like, I had four, six. Yeah, it wasn't, um, I wasn't on the podium. So to get twice on the podium these last two weeks, it's, it reminds me of 2011, like, um, when I won in Beijing. So, yeah, it's great to finish like this. It's it's a big buzz. And I guess um, personally for you, there's been a lot of things going on this season with your partner and things like that. How, how nice is it to get through that now and then to be able to celebrate this? Yeah, I'm just happy to have Lauren by my side. He um, he went through a lot in April, May, so for him to recover so, so well and, yeah, just to be there for me now, it's been great. So I'm so grateful he's here, yeah. And after the Commonwealth Games as well, there was a lot of talk from all round about triathlon and ha- how it wasn't where it needed to be. Is it nice to sort of put that talk to bed as well? Yeah, fourth place in the Commonwealth Games, it was, yeah, it wasn't what I was after. I wanted to get on the podium, but it just wasn't my day there. I was, I was right up there in the whole race and, yeah, fourth, it, it's just missing the podium. So, yeah, it's always so much better to be on the podium, so... These last two weeks has been great. Nice on the podium having having a Kiwi next to you as well. Yeah, same as last week, second and third. So she's really picked picked up her run um, since Glasgow. So it's great for her too. What's the plan for you from here? Are you having a break now, or have you got more races to run? Uh, no, I've still got one month of racing. I'm going to have a break in October this year. So, uh, yeah, I go back to France tomorrow and I race in Germany next week. And, yeah, I'll just keep going and keep this good form for hopefully four more weeks. Ride it out for as long as you can. Yeah, well, I'm feeling I'm feeling really fit. So it's uh, great to finish the season like this. And, yeah, hopefully I have some more good races. That's Andrea Hewitt. Meanwhile, the shot putter Tom Walsh is already looking forward to getting back home to Christchurch for a month off after chalking up a win over a world-class field at a World Challenge meeting in Zagreb, Croatia. Walsh had a best throw of 20.69 metres to finish ahead of double Olympic champion Tomasz Majutski of Poland and former world champion Rhys Hoffer of the United States. He spoke to Stephen Hewson about his latest achievement. At the start of this year, if you told me I was going to have a win against all the top guys in the world, I thought you'd be pulling my leg. So to have, have this win and to finally... Uh, to knock off Reese Hopper, who I hadn't had a win against, was was pretty good. But I didn't think 2069 would have done it either. But uh, at the end of the day, mate, um, you take it however messy it is. Were conditions tough? What what was it like? Because you were, you were in a town square. Yeah, yeah. So we were, uh, we're throwing in, in the middle of the street kind of thing. So it was a pretty cool atmosphere. There would have been uh, one or two thousand people there watching. So it was pretty cool. It actually started pouring down. So, so the conditions weren't, weren't the best. Somehow I've managed to do enough to, to, uh, to win. I knew there was more there, though, still, because I had a bigger warm-up throw. Um, but I uh, just didn't quite manage to, to you know, get it all together in the comp. But uh, I'll take the win. What was the reaction of your, your opponents? 
you know, all the guys on the circuit, mate, um, we're pretty close now because, you know, we, we, we tend to go to all the same comps and stuff like that. So, uh, you know, they're all pleased with me. Uh, obviously, disappointed probably in their own performance, but at the same time, they, they won't hold it against me. But, uh, yeah, we're quite lucky that we all get on very well. And, and things have been pretty busy since Glasgow, haven't they? Yeah, I've had, uh, I think, what was it, five comps now in, in uh, 10 days in Stockholm. I probably haven't thrown as well as what I wanted to, but I've managed to sneak in a few um, good placings and things like that. But uh, now it's uh, 10 days before Continental Cup, um, which is in Marrakesh, uh, and then I'm finally going to be back home. So how are you feeling, given you've had such a busy schedule in the last month or six weeks? Well, I wasn't feeling that good at the start of it uh, in terms of um, technique and stuff like that. But uh, the last two comps have felt a lot better. Even though the distance wasn't any, any better than, than in other comps, it, it, uh, it's starting to feel a bit more like my uh, my normal self in terms of the 21-metre kind of shape. So hopefully I can have a, a good 10 days of training back in Switzerland with Dell and JP and, um, and finish the season on a high with a, with a good throw in our test. Any reason, do you think, why things have started to click? No, not really. I'm just starting to work through things a little bit more and things like that, and, and, and starting to figure out what, what works for me and, and uh, when I usually throw better and, and what kind of circumstances under I do throw better. And, um, at the end of the day, it's all a learning experience for me as it's, as it's the first time I've, uh, I've thrown this, this long and, and probably this many comps in a year. So uh, it's great that I can still throw quite consistently around that 20 high mark. And so what are you finding works well for you? Probably just trying to be as relaxed as possible. Uh, and not get too excited about the comps, mate. And also, it's always very hard after a major to try to get back up to it. So it's it's very important for me to have, have goals to work towards in terms of, um, you know, whether it's uh, uh, a distance goal or, or um, you know, I want to uh, finish with, you know, these five metres over a certain distance. Uh, it's very important to have a goal to, to work towards, or otherwise you're kind of just going through the motion. Do you think that throw in Glasgow, that, that qualifying throw when you when you got the game's record, should have showed you the way a bit there? Because, I mean, that you just sort of seem to walk up and throw there, and presumably you weren't maybe thinking that was going to be your, your big throw. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, I was definitely in probably PB shape there without doubt, mate. Um, so, you know, obviously I'm happy to still get the silver, but I knew... If I really did finish a throw properly, that I could have thrown, you know, mid mid twenty ones. Um, yeah, so I know I know it's there. I've just got to find that rhythm and that timing again. Uh, so hopefully, I can I can do that in the next kind of ten days. And then you've got this Continental Cup. Are you looking forward to that finishing off the season? Yeah, it'll be it'll be a good laugh, mate. Um, it'll be a good 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 comp to finish off. It's a bit more relaxed and things like that. So yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be a bit of fun. Um, to finish off the season and, and then uh, that long flight home. So do you get a bit of time off training-wise when you get back home? What What is the plan? Yeah, so I'll, I'll have um, probably a month off, uh, and, but I'll go straight back into work probably when I when I get back home. Um, so there'll be a bit, a bit of time to kind of refresh and, and uh, talk about how the season's gone and things like that and um, kind of look towards next year and what I want to accomplish. Yeah, I imagine that the boys on the building site will be looking for a few stories from you. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure they will, mate. I'm sure I can I can find a few stories for them. Um, but uh, no, it'll be good to get back and, and get back into the normal routine. Shop putter Tom Walsh talking to Stephen Hewson.
The New Zealand rally driver Hayden Padden is preparing for his next drive in the World Rally Championship, Rally Australia, in New South Wales next week. Padden's in his first season in the sport's top class with Hyundai Motorsport and is coming off his best result of the year with an eighth-place finish in Rally Finland. The 27-year-old's hoping to earn a full-time drive for next year with Hyundai and told Alex Coogan-Reeves his debut season's been pretty much going to plan so far. The year's probably gone exactly as we planned. Uh, we, we started off nice and uh, steady, and then uh, during Poland and, and Finland, we've been able to, to step it up a notch rally by rally, and uh, you know we've definitely made a good impression within the team, and, and that's certainly the most important thing moving forward. Has the change sort of gone a, as you'd expect, jumping up a level? Uh, I've probably underestimated the challenge of anything. Like It's uh, certainly been a bit of an eye-opener this year, being in, in the World Rally uh, Championship, just learning the, the level of competition is so much higher than what we anticipated. Um, and, you know, to be honest, in, in our first rally in Sydney, we were a bit further off the pace than what we would have liked to have been. Uh, but now in Finland, the most recent one, uh, we, we're certainly uh, much closer. So, you know, at this level, there's, there's no room for error, and I'm having to push myself harder and, and drive faster than what I ever have done before. Is it just that margin of error that decreases when you step up in, into this class? Yeah, so yeah, the, the margin for error is a lot smaller, but also uh, you know you, you're looking for perfection a lot more. Uh, you know, the, the drivers now are on the limit everywhere. Uh, you know, you get one corner wrong uh, in the past, you'd lose maybe one or two seconds. It, it didn't matter so much. Whereas now, you know, you get one corner wrong, you're at the back door sort of thing. So it it is a matter of getting everything right um, from the preparation, the car setup, the reconnaissance and the pace notes. Uh, you know, even having one note that's too slow from reconnaissance can uh, throw, throw you out for a bit. So, uh, you know, it's a matter of trying to get everything absolutely right. And how have you found working with Hyundai and that team um, so far? Yeah, it's been uh, amazing Like to be part of uh, such a big factory team. We've gone from a team of about... 10 people here in New Zealand to a team now of 152 people for three cars so it's uh, certainly uh, pretty amazing to be part of such a, an outfit um, you know the amount of resources and, and effort going into the program is uh, second to none and uh, every time we hop in the car there's something new they're developing something and you know they, they won their last rally out in Germany but ultimately the team want to be regularly winning rallies and, and, and then ultimately winning the world championship so that's what we're, we're all working towards. So does that make it easier from some respects, I guess, previously in a rally, if something goes wrong, you've got to work on the fly to sort of get it fixed, whereas now you've you've got a lot more support around you? Oh, definitely. Like, our job is solely to drive the car. Um, when we're not driving the car, it is to prepare ourselves the best to drive the car. So between events, you know, your training, your pace notes, your studying of the stages, so... Outside all that, there's someone to do every job, from someone who does your nutrition on events, someone you know, but almost cleans your shoes when you get in and out of the car. Um, obviously, all the mechanics, engineers, you know, there's someone that does everything, or you know, exactly a job. So it takes a lot of pressure off us. It means we can focus now solely on one thing, and uh, and as long as we give good feedback about the car or any problems we have, then you know, you expect things to keep progressing. So it feels like you've uh, hit the big time there. Oh, well, certainly this is uh, as high as we can go in the sport at the moment, so uh, the next thing is to uh, to try and be winning, and, uh, you know, that's, that's certainly the goal. You know, I'm not going to rest on our laurels that we've, we were now now in the World Championship. You know, that's that was never the goal. The goal was to go right to the top, so that's going to take a little bit more time, uh, maybe next uh, another two years before we can actually be winning, um, but, you know, that's what we've got to keep working hard on in the meantime. How do you see that progression going? Because I guess this year you've just got selected races... Will you sort of increase that schedule next year until you're sort of there full time? 
Yeah, well, the, the plan was this year was to uh, make a good enough impression within the team that we can uh, negotiate a contract to be uh, in the World Championship on more events next year. Uh, there's obviously 13 rallies in the World Championship and, and we'd like to be doing most of them uh, for next season. And then uh, moving towards 2016, let's put ourselves in a position where we can start to be fighting uh, for wins uh, in 2016. So, so far, everything's going well this year uh, to help us achieve that, uh, that full-time contract for next year. Um, OK, it's still early stages yet, but if we can have a good result at Rally Australia next week, that'll uh, certainly help us. So you feel like you're on track? Uh, yep, we're, we're right on track at the moment. So, uh, OK, we, we want to be winning, but we are, I'm learning to be a bit more patient this year and, and just have to take it step by step. Is it quite nice, I guess, or a bit less pressure being eased into it this way and with a team like Hyundai, who's not necessarily always been known as a traditional power team? Uh, if anything, the, the pressure's probably uh, higher this year because we now have expectations on our shoulders. So in the past, when we've been taking the budget and running our own team, you're living up to your own expectations and your own goals. Um, now, part of a manufacturer team, OK, we, I still have my own, own personal ambitions, but we're representing a car brand now and there's, there's 20 other young drivers knocking on the door who want who want my seat. So, you know, if I do anything to fail... You know, I'll be at the door and I'll bring someone else in. So, in that respect, it puts a lot more pressure on to, you know, get everything right to make sure we can keep the opportunity. But I guess not the pressure of having to go out there and win every week. No, that pressure's obviously taken off. Uh, but in saying that, uh, I have a, I have very high expectations myself. So, uh, whatever generally I'm saying in the public's our goal. My goal personally is normally one or two steps higher than that. So. Uh, um, you know, you know, I put a lot of uh, pressure on myself, if you like. But um, from a team perspective, yeah, it is nice to maybe not be pushed into, um, you know, the bees end of all having to get results this year. And just looking at Rally Australia, that must be something you're looking forward to racing well, cl- closest to home. Yeah, well, it's uh, the closest we get to home this year, so uh, it's the one I've been looking forward to the most. Uh, it's an event we've done. Uh, pretty well in the last couple of years we've been there um, and obviously we have a, a lot of Kiwis going over to support us as well which will uh, uh, help us a lot but um, you know it's going to be the event uh, the, the one event this year that we have the best chance of getting a good result on so we've done a lot of homework a lot of preparation so we need to make sure we uh, can make the most of it. And you feel like you pretty much know what to expect from the from the course and all that sort of thing? Yeah, well, a lot of the stages are quite similar to uh, last year, so we, we know the stages uh, or the general character of the stages quite well. Uh, we had a really good test in France uh, a week or two ago with the car, so we've got a really good setup for the car, made some good improvements uh, since Finland. So, so far, uh, touch wood, it's all looking really good. Uh, but, of course, you know, in the world of rallying, anything can change. Uh, depends on the weather, the road conditions, um, how the recce goes. So... You know, we, we can't be too confident. We have to sort of uh, play it a little bit by ear. What are you sort of targeting in terms of a finish there? Do you set targets like that? Yeah, of course. Uh, like, I'd like to try and be in the top five uh, for Australia, which is a, a big ask. Um, but, you know, I think it's a, a challenge that we can maybe uh, achieve, uh, particularly uh, being a, our championship order. We're a little bit further back on the road for the first day on Friday. Uh, and if the dry weather continues over there, we need to make the most of the road position and then set ourselves up for the, the last two days. Good luck to Hayden Patton in Rally Australia. Well, that's extra time for this week. Follow us on Twitter at RNZ Sport. Bye for now. Do you love anime, gaming, movies, and discovering how your favorite pop culture affects everything you do? 
Then join us on Crunchyroll Presents The Anime Effect. I'm Nick Friedman. I'm Lee Alec Murray. And I'm Leah President. Every week you can listen in while we break down the latest pop culture news and dish on what new releases we can't get enough of. Whether you love movies, I'm going to tell you all about the uh, hopeful 4K re-release of Tron Legacy that happens. <laughs> <laughs> I'm right there with you. Or music. The music in this show yeah. is absolutely yeah. incredible. Or anime. Yeah, and under this sure. mask is another mask. <laughs> <laughs> you can discover your new favorites right here on The Anime Effect. Listen every Friday, wherever you get your podcasts, and watch full video episodes on Crunchyroll or on the Crunchyroll YouTube channel.